Today's episode, I'm talking to Dr. Razina Omar, who is the CEO of Cape Nature, which is an organization which is the chief custodian of Western Cape's natural environment and is governed by the Western Cape's Nature Conservation Board. It is also shortly known as Cape Nature. And let me welcome uh, Razina to the podcast. Thank you, Pam. So um, we'll start with just a few questions. And um, and what the first one really is about a little bit of you sharing who you are and, and, and what drives you. Okay, thanks, uh, Pam. I mean, I'll start off just going back to basics. I'll say that I'm a mother. I'm also a grandmother of a little six-year-old. Oh, um, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I'm a partner to my husband and a friend to many. Um, what drives me for the past five, six years in particular is that I've become an energy healer. So I practice Reiki and do crystal healing together with what I do full-time, um, which is heading up uh, Cape Nature as the entity responsible for biodiversity in the Western Cape. So just that as a very quick introduction to me. Um, I was born in Johannesburg um, in a township called Fitas. Um, and then moved to the outskirts in the West, a place called Nuclear, where I grew up um, and went to school. And having lived in, in that community, you know, where there were five, six families living around one um, water resource base, one uh, um, toilet facility that was still the bucket toilet, I'd say those were my humble beginnings and introduction into how to live um, uh, what we call nowadays a sustainable life. Um, having come into the world with little, you don't need that much, but um, just appreciating what you have and sharing. So that's where I come from. That is just a bit of background about me. Thanks, Ben. That's a very rich background, and uh, you're starting to get into some of the issues I would like to explore in our conversation today. Um, sure. Just, um, um, I know you spoke about uh, uh, water resources, and, and I just want to understand or share with our uh, listeners, how did you get involved in uh, conservation or environmental sustainability? Um, I think those were the early beginnings, but if I look at my adult years, when I left Johannesburg and um, came to Cape Town to the University of the Western Cape, I studied natural sciences. So I did a BSc, BSc Honours in Zoology, but that was the formal studies. What actually um, inspired me to you know, to go fully into the field of, of environment was through environmental education. I was one of the founding members of um, a 
a body that we call NATSOC. Uh, we're still um, in existence today. Um, and we believe at that stage, that was the mid late 70s, early 80s, at a time when there was a lot of turmoil in our country. We believed in teacher development. And we, we, we believe that when teachers are developed and enthused and developed a love for, for nature and natural surroundings, they would instill and pass this on and love that to the kids that they teach. So we, um, at that stage, um, often took our teachers from different uh, secondary and primary schools into nature and did field work. And that is where my love for the field and nature started more formally. Um, I then, after, um, <clears throat> pardon me, after uh, leaving UWC, I continued my studies full-time, but um, then went over from, after two years of teaching, went to lecture at a teacher's college of education called Hewitt College of Education, where I worked for quite a few years, and, and nothing... Um, ticked me more than to do field work, taking um, our student teachers out into the field and, you know, just sharing what I learned formally and informally, you know, through this organization to the teachers. And I'm still in contact with many of them today. And just looking back over the years, I can see many of them taking out their kids and that there's uh, into nature and that there's such a desperate need for such activities to continue um, to get our, our youth into nature and to appreciate it and understand why we need to conserve. So, um, I mean, I think that's, a, that's fascinating given the fact that there is a stereotype in society that uh, um, African black or women, uh, people of color do not necessarily take issues of environment uh, seriously. And I hear you from your humble beginnings and the work that you did early on, that actually it, that is a stereotype and a myth. And uh, can you say a little bit more about that and how that is, is going on in our communities, at least in the communities that you're still in touch with? Um, I must say that it's not mainstreamed as we would like to, to, to see it, because just by looking at the environment sector, uh, as such, and looking at leadership within um, the conservation sector, it is a very male-dominated sector. So um, as a woman within conservation, I think one has to make a concerted effort in terms of your appointment, in terms of your mentoring and coaching and assigning co uh, coaches to your team that you really take women empowerment and on the uh, also very important changing the narrative uh, while changing the narrative in terms of gender also in terms of color because um yeah there's a need to really take uh, 
mainstream um, environmental awareness, education for environment within nature much broader. I don't think that our our kids, especially our kids uh, in the townships, etc., do are afforded this opportunity as wide as children from more privileged backgrounds are. So um, we at Cape Nature, for example, <clears throat> pardon me, we do run uh, programs with uh, children living in and around our reserves and making sure that, and those are the vulnerable communities uh, out in the Western Cape uh, uh as an example, we make sure that we engage with those what are still known as farm schools and get our kids to the reserves to make them understand how privileged they actually are to live within such um, environments where they can still run freely, safely, um, etc. cetera, uh, a more and not you know, face the challenges that is so in their face in the more urbanized environments. But your point around gender, also your point around um, race is very, very valid. And it needs uh, a concerted effort for us as in leadership positions to tackle these uh, issues more boldly, I'd say. Mm. Yes. Um, I mean, what I like about what you're saying is the fact that you have to be intentional. And um, and and uh, to your point that uh, we, I mean, I hear a number of things or frontiers, if you like, from what you are saying. There is the one issue of mainstreaming issues of the environment to broader society, including young people. And I, I, very, I like the, the young people angle that you've brought into the discussion. But I also hear you talk about women and what it means from a gender landscape and in organization and the, the kind of responsibility that you have as a woman leader in the, in the sector is not just about protecting nature, but it's also about... Um, Bringing in more young people, bringing people people of color into that into the sector, and appreciating what they contribute, but also at the same time being intentional in bringing women uh, as as part of that through mentoring uh, women empowerment programs. Having said that, is there anything else that you want to say um, to our listeners that? Um, that for you has really been uh, the driving force in terms of getting more youth and more women involved in issues of the environment? Yes, I think, uh, uh, Pam, if I look at all the, the, the inequalities, we have all these targets that we strive towards who we have the sustainable development goals etc and and key a key theme through all of these are the need to uh, work towards gender equity and and equality yet when we look at what is happening around us we find that 
um, we're still living in a world where there are gender stereotypes, where uh, women uh, are less paid for the same work, they are less paid, um, where they don't have the economic freedom and work opportunities as, as male would have. And yet women are, are sort of tasked to manage issues like water and, and, and sources for fuel for food, etc. cetera. Um, even within urban settings, um, we find that these low, there's a heavy load on women to keep families afloat. Um, but yet, when it comes to uh, enumeration, when it, co it comes to opportunities, um, access, etc., we find that there's still um, uh, disproportionate uh, um, and they are unfairly disadvantaged. They are suffering disproportionately, um, you know, from uh, resource scarcity, be it just uh, salaries, uh, etc. Women bear the brunt, um, also in terms of climate change. So um, definitely um, one has to be, uh, there has to be a concerted lens um, as a woman in leadership, you know what hurts me most is when women are nasty to to women. When I got into this position 10 years ago, I just said to myself, whichever um, executive appointment I'm going to make, it's going to be a woman. And oh, yes. Yes, and throughout the four year, uh, the, the 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 ten years, the four appointments I made at our executive level outside of the CFO, which was in my year first year, all three. There's now the fourth appointment has been women, and and the women are there and they're capable and they're waiting, and often they overlook. But if you don't go in there with a concerted lens and and determination it's not going to happen i think we we as women leaders owe it to uh to other women to empower other women and to uplift women and to grant them just an opportunity uh, uh to 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 make it for themselves wonderful and um I mean, the deliberate acts and intention, uh, I couldn't agree with you more because oftentimes it's, thing, it's being said that there are not enough women out there or women uh, do not raise their hand. And uh, from what you're hearing, uh, what you're saying and what I'm hearing, I love what I'm hearing, that actually there you are, you got a position as the head of Cape Nature and you decided, you know what? I'm going to make it happen. And you actually did it. I think kudos to you for being deliberate and intentional and um, and also creating opportunities because I think um, opportunities, unless these opportunities are created, we're all going to say women are not available, women cannot do these things. And I just want to say to acknowledge that and hope that uh, other women listening who might or might not be in the senior positions know that there are people out there who are deliberate, who are doing the work, 
and uh, will continue want to have more and more women and who are role models, um, uh, Razina, because I think people like you, uh, if people, the more people hear people like you saying these things, the more they think there is, the people can feel or younger women can feel that it is possible. And thank you for being a beacon, a beacon of hope in that in that regard and just modeling what needs to be done to get uh, more more and more women. Um, I've got a few other questions, um, if I can move us on. Uh, so what advice would you give young and upcoming women in the sector? Uh, I would, I would uh, um, encourage um, younger women coming into the sector to join networks for support so that they can get their support from other women and other willing, um, it's not only women and women, but there are uh, male uh, and other people out there that, that are willing to assist them. Um, they need to read widely, um, critically interrogate whatever comes their way and just broaden their minds and seek for opportunities feedback and advice to grow. Um, and more important, when these opportunities come, come their way, to seize them um, and, and not to be discouraged when there are setbacks because that happens, that's life. But, but it's important for, for, for them to, to, to seek out the opportunities, um, find kinder, uh, help and kindred spirits that can lead them along their way and 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 grow and 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 find advice where they can um uh, as well there are uh, programs out there so it's open their uh, eyes to it i mean you know just um platforms like linkedin for example and other platforms we um get so many calls from from uh youth uh, and and young women in particular who have studied, who, who completed degrees in this field and don't have the opportunities. And one can only point them to existing programs, etc. But they they should ask. They should feel free and ask, and and not stand back. Uh, you know. So so that is some of the advice uh, I can give. Give because we I get it daily. Um, point point them into directions. I mean, um, for us, if we look at our percent, uh, the percentage of the population percentage in terms of, of youth, obviously uh, women uh, uh, versus men, that's 50, that's likely more. But uh, our youth are actually such um, an asset for us because that's the majority of our uh, of our population and i feel that we should um provide opportunities provide work opportunities you know in government we still have the expanded public works program but there's also room for creating internships, for example. Um, and, and I feel that many organizations don't really do that. But, you know, for us just looking um, within Cape Nature, we set targets to employ um, young graduates, women graduates, men graduates, um, pronouns inclusive, um, and... Uh, 
I feel that we can do so much more. And the blessing is what these people bring into the entity. You just, it's so exciting to see them bringing in new energy, new new enthusiasm, you know, just a different mindset um, for some of them, obviously, depending on their background. Others, you need to to nurture and get them in, but provide them the opportunities to get into in internships, etc. These are advertised, so they should keep their eyes open um, within government, within entities, and also the private sector. I think the private sector is doing quite a lot um, in terms of these programs, funding them, providing stipends to um, uh, government entities just to get youth going. Because if we don't really invest in our, our youth, we, we, we're not going to succeed as a country in the as as you know, they are the majority um, right now. Thanks. Um, just as we talk about, I mean, I think in the um, sustainability space, we talk about these targets that we have to really achieve, whether it's the issues around climate change, and we talk about a nature-positive world. Um, if I were to, given your experience and wearing an leader in Africa, what should we be doing or what should the world be doing in order to achieve our ideals in this regard? You know, there's there's a lot that we can do. Obviously, there's um, huge funding requirements. If I look at our sector, um, the challenges facing uh, biodiversity is huge um, in terms of habitat habitat loss. You you're talking about climate change is is, is right there. Um, just the the scourges in the Western Cape in terms of climate change, um, uh, the fires that we fight invasive alien species. Um, so I think we need to uh, get our act together, um, uh, look at the major con contributors. Um, in any case, if you look at the risks in, in terms of our country and also then in the province and globally, um, we'll find that climate is right up there with extreme weather patterns um, living itself out right now as we speak with the fires globally in Canada, etc. Western Cape is not um, excluded. So um, we... You know, to start and, and tackle these problems might seem um, huge and insurmountable, but if you break them down, it can be done. Um, we just focusing on climate and the scourge of alien invasive species and then linking it to growth for jobs program in the Western Cape or just job creation and poverty alleviation. There's a lot can, that can be done. We've in, instituted um, a program about six years ago that we look at our, obviously we've mapped all our nature reserves um, in terms of the highest density of alien plants, etc. So we've started a program um, where we looked at uh, a couple of reserves and look at SMMEs around the reserves and uh, 
uh, provided SMME development in terms of wood harvesting and given five contracts to wood harvesters per uh, pilot reserve and within this their contracts that stated that they needed to clear so many that percentage of alien trees they can take the wood we develop them and train them through the EP, uh, epwp program but in their contract we stipulated that after two years you need to develop two smmes on your own and this is happening as we speak so there's more people harvesting the wood selling it as far uh, if you take um a place like 200 kilometers from Cape Town, the Whip Nature Reserve. You have the wood harvesters there. They sell and bring their wood right into Cape Town, truck full of loads. They have a middle uh, person that's distributing it for them. So that contributes towards um, uh, our targets uh, that's set in terms of climate and and uh, removing alien invasive species. But we can link it to socioeconomic benefits. And I think in conservation, that is very, very important. One cannot um, look at the old models of conserving for conserving sake. We have to look at the socioeconomic realities, what face us now, and, and bring in, because poverty is huge, unemployment is huge in the country. I think it's the top um, uh, three uh, uh, in terms of our aims, uh, just getting it down the poverty levels, unemployment levels, uh, government priorities, top three. Um or two that I mentioned. So link that to targets that will benefit climate uh, 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 change, positively contribute towards our targets in that regard. And, um, and it can be done. It's not easy, but if you put your head to it, it can be done. And that's where the support from the uh, private sector comes in as well because often they uh, come on board and help us with the training um, in terms of these contractors who don't have the financial acumen or the business skills and it's provided through big companies that I, I don't want to mention uh, here but um, it can be done mm. yeah. so so Razina as we bring that conversation this morning to an end, uh, two last questions. One is, how do you keep yourself motivated? <laughs> that, that's a good, I think, you know, um, small steps. Uh, I'd like to think that it's, uh, it's important for me to or I thrive when I see people around me thrive. So if, if I see my team is inspired and um, I engage them and I challenge them enough in the workplace that is, then then I feel um, motivated and in, inspired to continue. But then there's also things like self-care. Um, I do go out and walk a lot. Um, I take a lot of walks um, in, you know, nearby parks, etc. Um, I also find that it's important to shop in your store. So going to conferences or just listening to some podcasts or, or, or what, whatever's out there, um, self-care, wellness, 
um, exercise is also needed. And then very important for me is as a support, you know, like having your few friends that that you can lean on that provide because it's not all honky dory every day. So have your support base, uh, take care of yourself, exercise, eat well, meditate. I meditate at least twice a day. It doesn't mean that you'll have you have to go into a Zen mode for an hour at a time, but 10 minutes as a break. Um, that's how I just come back to earth and then uh, feel more grounded. Thank you. And then what legacy would you like to live in this sector? Um, I'd, li- I'd like to think that I, you know, when I retire, um, that I had made a positive contribution to um, um, the conservation field, that there was sufficient development of um, a cadre of youth and younger um, executives that can take the baton uh, forward, that have developed a good team and that there is within our entity, come back to to, to the the conservation work, that there's ethical governance. Um, We've had clean audits since I've started, um, unqualified clean audits, and that that um, culture and organizational culture will will continue, um, you know, into uh, the future. Certainly it would, uh, because it sounds like uh, listening to you that you're not only looking at yourself, you are looking at... um, multiplying yourself into other women and other young people um, to do exactly what you do. And which is basically what we're trying to do in this podcast. We're trying to get other women motivated, especially because sometimes when people don't know um, that it can be done, and you've shared with us quite more practical. I liked the conversation with you. There were many practical things that someone can just listen to the podcast and just say, Oh, I can do this, I can do that. I like the part about you doing self care and also just making the issues and uh, simplifying them for an ordinary woman on the African continent to understand and also bringing your own wisdom. It was a great honor and a pleasure to speak to you. You are truly inspiring and thank you very much. Thanks, Pam. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.